Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again, another winning edition of the HHC. Hornets claim a 110-105 to victory over the Miami Heat. In certain respects, it was a lot closer than that. In a certain respects, it was a lot further apart than that. But all that matters at the end of the day is the Hornets get the W. With it, they move to two games above 500. They are all alone in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, and they've now won three in a row since the injury to LaMelo Ball. So we're going to talk about the W, talk about some of the marquee performances. Malik Monk and Terry Rozier in particular stand out. Also going to talk about the press conference General Manager Mitch Kupchak held yesterday morning talking about the deal, bringing in Brad Wanamaker to the roster, and also the projection of the timeline for LaMelo Ball. To help me with all this, our producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo, back on the Hornets Hivecast. And Rob, a 110-105 win. Hornets led this one by as many as 30 points. Looking back on it now, the immediate aftermath, do you feel like this was a huge win or do you think this was a disappointing maybe lapse that allowed Miami to make it interesting down the stretch well to double down on what I said immediately after on the postgame show last night was they don't ask how many you led by they don't ask how big the lead was they just ask if you won and a win is a win is a win is a win so of course the second half was very disappointing Season low, 38 points, getting outscored 56 to 38 in that second half. But the first half was just absolutely phenomenal. Great three-point shooting. Malik Monk doing it again, coming off the bench. Maybe they need to play the Heat every other day, or maybe the Heat just need to trade Bam Adebayo on these one-day contracts to whoever 
the Hornets are playing because apparently he just gets in the head of Malik and Malik just takes it a step or two further. But the first half was phenomenal. I mean, you can't complain about anything. And then I think it was just too many turnovers and just being too comfortable with that big lead heading into the second half. That's kind of what I added up to, at least in my book. Leads can be difficult to protect in the NBA because, for one, the level of competition is so high. And secondly, you know, you tend to build leads by playing a certain style. You know, it's the prevent defense in the NFL. They say the only thing it prevents is you winning by a comfortable margin. Sometimes, uh, I suppose, taking your foot off the gas is going to prevent you from playing to your fullest potential. But all that being said, Hornets get the win 110 to 105. As you mentioned, really a tale of two halves. Second half, Hornets had their lowest scoring half of the season, 38 points. You wouldn't think your lowest scoring half of the season would come in a win, but the Hornets find a way to get that done because in the first quarter, they had 40 points and they were propelled by Malik Monk. Throws over the top to Monk, catch and shoot from the corner. Got another one. Oh no, Malik Monk. He can't miss. 21 for Malik Monk. He personally is only trailing the Miami Heat by five. Malik was just out of this world. That actually came in the second quarter, that three-pointer. But nevertheless, Malik was just playing out of his mind. Ends up with a career high in made field goals in this one with 12. Missed his career high in points, which he set the last time that the Hornets played the Heat. But I'll throw in this. That game went to overtime. He had five more minutes in that one. So maybe per minute he was uh, right on par in this victory. Hornets take it 110 to 105. Malik talked after the game about what made the difference. And this is not so much about this game per se, but him as a whole. Remember, he was drafted 11th overall. I remember when he was picked out of Kentucky. I loved the pick. I thought Malik in college was just spectacular. I loved his clutch shooting ability. And then he got into the pros, and he admittedly had some growing pains. He you know, never shot above 34% from beyond the arc. He never averaged more than 10 points per game, and it was always this up-and-down thing. He never could break into the starting lineup. It was a grind to adjust, and it took some time to the NBA game. He talked after last night's victory about what has changed for him in this season in particular. My minutes, man. My minutes was up and down, up and down, and I was just trying to figure out how to how to um, be the best me in, in 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 the little time I get. Yeah, I just like I said before, I, I, I took that way more serious than I did. I probably watched 30 minutes of film um, last year, year before that, year before that, every day. Now I'm watching, like I say, two three hours of film a day. So um, that helps a lot. It's a huge difference how much time he is putting in to his off-the-court work. Because on the court, as with most people who are lottery picks, he is naturally blessed and gifted with a certain skill set. But the other items, the film work, the study, this is something that he's just kind of let us in on. He has grown by leaps and bounds from previously in his career to this year. I think a big part of that was probably because of the pandemic. I mean, when you don't have access to a basketball court or anything like that, you're probably going to sit down and watch a little bit more film. So that might have been born out of necessity a little bit, especially with all of the protocols that are going on this season where you're only allotted in the gym with so many people at so many times for this amount of time. So I think a lot of this was kind of born out of necessity, but I give Malik a ton of credit. He's really grown up over this past year, especially from what we've heard from James Brago. And keep in mind, he's only 23 years old. I mean, we weren't the sharpest tools in the shed when we were 23. At least I'll speak for myself. So, you know, that's the thing that a lot of these people have to keep in mind with a lot of these lottery picks. 
are there a lot of them are one and dones or they've only been in college for two or three years. And, you know, to be honest, they're not quite as mature as maybe a veteran or anything like that. So you got a lot of learning to do. It's not just all of the talent that you get on the court. There's a lot of off-court stuff that goes into it, and it obviously makes a lot of sense because of what Malik has just said. The other part of his quote that stood out to me was the minutes. And this is something he does not have control of. And quite frankly, I think if this team was at full health, he would not be playing the minutes he is because you want LaMelo Ball to have the ball in his hands. You want those minutes distributed in a certain way. But it is a silver lining that without LaMelo Ball out there, more minutes fall to Malik. And he has taken advantage of it throughout the season. Rolled the clock back to the start of February when Terry Rozier was hurt. That Milwaukee-Miami mini run there, those were two extremely explosive games for Malik, including his career-high 36. Then go to when Devontae Graham goes down to injury. Late February, Malik comes into the lineup and takes off. He puts together four straight 20-point performances. And then going into the All-Star break, he was somewhere between 18 and 29 for six straight games. Then after the All-Star break, everyone's healthy. His minutes come down, his shots come down, his scoring comes down. And now with LaMelo Ball out, three straight games where he's been in double figures every time because he's shooting more. He's taking double-digit shots every game. He had 15 in the win over San Antonio, 10, 7 for 10 shooting, I might add, against Houston. And then last night, he ends up going 12 for 17, a career high in made field goals. His head coach, James Borrego, also talked about Malik and his development. There's a couple things. His decision-making, obviously, he's getting better. You know, making the right play, whether that's attack and kick, get to the rim and finish, knocking down shots, when to take shots, and really not pressing. As a young guy, you know, I, I felt at times in the past, he would press to try to make a play every time he touched it. And, you know, now he's very secure in who he is. He trusts the system. He trusts himself. Uh, he knows I, I trust him, and I think he's delivering. So. He's really grown in those areas. Malik's a guy who's who's stepped into this role, and uh, he has just done a spectacular job in it. A great, great night shooting the basketball. He told us for the pregame show that the first time against Miami, the rim just looked huge to him that night. I'm surprised it fit in the building the way it must have looked to him because he was catching, shooting, falling away, hand in his face, did not matter. Well, that was one of the things that he mentioned in his post-game press conference, too, was he came off the bench and immediately got an and one, and that was what really got him going. He said he saw the ball go in the hoop. That was history. The fact that he can just catch fire that quickly off the bench and get that spark going just by a simple and one opportunity. Nothing crazy about it, not some falling into MJ's lap and hitting a three or anything like that. So it's really impressive what Malik is able to do come off the bench. And like James Brago has been saying, next man up mentality. And I'm looking forward to what's going to transpire the next couple of weeks with LaMelo Ball still sidelined and seeing how far Malik can go just based on his confidence. Because we know that he might not have the confidence 100% of the time, but we certainly know that his teammates have that confidence to find him and trust him to shoot that basketball. So I'm interested to see how far Malik can go these next couple of weeks. It will be interesting. I mean, he's obviously in a contract year. There'll be you know long-term decisions to be made later on down the line. But I've heard many people say every time Malik has a game like this, he just adds he adds more money to that contract. And you're always rooting for guys to uh, to get theirs, so to speak, in that regard. Malik Monk, 32 points, a career-high 12 made field goals. Not the only hero from last night's win. We'll talk about it. We'll also talk 
about the comments from General Manager Mitch Kupchak regarding LaMelo Ball and when, if, we might see him later on this season. More about that as we continue here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, it's time to return to the Hive. There are a limited number of socially distanced tickets available for each game. Fans can expect enhanced cleaning and disinfection procedures and an upgraded ventilation system at Spectrum Center because the health and safety of the team, staff, and guests is the top priority at the Hive. Be there at Spectrum Center for a Sunday matinee March 28th when the Hornets host Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns at 1 p.m. Tickets on sale now at Hornets.com. Rozier in transition, into the lane, lob for Bridges, and the throwdown! Timeout, Miami! Talk about your run stopper! Yeah, Miami was starting to get into a rhythm, and the Hornets were able to push them back at that point with a Miles Bridges dunk. Ten points for Miles off the bench. The assist to Terry Rozier, a career-high 11 assists. Terry helping lead the Hornets to the victory. He also had 26 points in the win. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you. Rob, with LaMelo Ball out, other guys have to step into the point guard role. Devontae Graham, for the most part, is going to occupy it with that starting unit. But Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, in the last couple of games, we have seen step in and take a lot of those duties. They did make a deal for Brad Wanamaker, who we'll talk about next segment. But Terry Rozier, as the playmaker, was an interesting wrinkle in this one because he was still shooting. He was still getting his points, 9 of 18 from the field, 4 of 10 from 3, 26 points. And it still felt like a lot of it was in that catch-and-shoot type of mentality. I'm not sure. Well, I think just in general, most shooters are most comfortable in those circumstances. Terry can certainly create off the dribble for himself, but from three, that becomes more difficult for everyone. But he did a really good job distributing, finding others. That assist and others he talked after the game about his passing, something that I guess he forgot he knew how to do. It's my first time today ever having over four assists. I'm glad I got it done and uh, just on the ball more. So there's more opportunities to get assists. Got the ball in my hands more, now that mellow out. I've heard uh, NBA players some say sometimes that, you know, after the game and they're asked questions, you know, the, the blood has not rushed fully back to their brain. And so, like, I think Terry... Now, Terry is obviously kidding there because the man averaged four assists per game. So clearly he's had more than that. It is a career high. His previous best was 10 assists against Minnesota. Uh, that was back in the 1920 season. So that was last season, his first as a member of the Hornets. But nevertheless, 11 assists, a career high, very impressive performance all around from Scary Terry. And I think a lot of those assists, I don't have the play-by-play in front of me, but I think a lot of those assists came later in the game as well. He did have 10 points in the first quarter alone, and then Malik just kind of took over from there, obviously, with 24 points in the first half. But Terry was 100% accurate. I mean, he's on the ball more. He's going to have more opportunities to facilitate. And I think it just throws an extra wrinkle into that offense. It doesn't make the offense one-dimensional, as some people may have thought it would for some reason, for whatever reason. But you got so many guys that can run the point out. You got on the floor at the same time, too. I mean, you got Terry. You probably have Devontae Graham out there at the same time, and then you have Gordon Hayward. And then you got other ball handlers. I mean, I don't mind P.J. Washington taking the ball in the corner and driving and facilitating or kicking it all by any means either. I mean, he had several assists tonight, I think, as well. He only had two, but I think the day before he was up around four or five. So everybody is capable of passing the ball, and I think that just goes back to the philosophy that James Borrego has, drive, kick, swing, the .5 mentality within 0.5 seconds, 
Are you passing, shooting, or driving? So I think it just kind of goes back to that. Watching that team in the first quarter, when this team gets hot, it gets hot. Well, they're a lot of fun to watch because they do move the ball. They do play such great team basketball. It's so unselfish, and it irks me a little bit to hear people critique players like Gordon Hayward scoring recently or Miles Bridges or P.J. Washington because it loses sight of the fact that in the games where they're maybe not scoring as much, they're also not shooting as much. Now, Gordon Hayward did not have a particularly good day shooting the basketball yesterday, but he still found ways to contribute. He had nine rebounds. He had three assists. He had a blocked shot out there, still got 11 points, and it was a night where there was someone else that was the hot hand, and you don't want to have a team where your star player is so ball-dominant, where he commands so much of the attention that even if he's having a bad day, he still has to take his shots because there's no other way for the team to function. Looking at, you know, a Bradley Beal, who's a tremendous scorer, and he scores, you know, routinely 30 points a game. But if he has a bad day, the Wizards are not going to win. Similarly, I would say for the Miami Heat, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo spread out a lot of the scoring duties fairly well. But if Jimmy Butler has a bad day, it's going to be difficult for Miami to win. Now, they're adding more pieces right now, so that will look a little bit better in the future. But again, my point is the Hornets can lose LaMelo Ball and still play well. Gordon Hayward can have a subpar shooting day, and they'll still play well. They have so many weapons, and they move the ball so efficiently that they can get around those things. And last night, 30 assists on 39 made buckets. Big part of the reason why the Hornets got the W. And with it, they moved to two games above 500 now. They are alone in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, half game ahead of the New York Knicks. You know, I always like to look at those dividing lines. It's about avoiding the play-in altogether. That's staying in the top six. Hornets have a game-and-a-half cushion on Boston right now for that and staying in the play-in area. Hornets now have a five-and-a-half game lead on Toronto to at least make the play-in. And when you consider there's only 28 games left in the season, I don't know when exactly we start looking at magic numbers or anything like that, but it's a lot closer now than it was at the start of the season. So the Hornets certainly in the driver's seat. We mentioned the playmaking, the assists, Rob, and the Hornets made a move to help them in that regard. Also got some optimistic news about their point guard, LaMelo Ball. We'll talk about that next segment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets, after a 110-105 win, will prepare for the Phoenix Suns. They've got a little bit more depth at the point guard position now. Mentioned it earlier, but Brad Wanamaker traded over to the Hornets from the Golden State Warriors. Essentially, Rob, it's a free player. The two teams exchange second-round picks, which I really hope the Hornets have to give up because it's a 2025 pick which is top 55 protected, which means the Hornets would have to have one of the four or five best records in the NBA to lose it. So let's go Hornets, lose that pick. (laughs) They also get back from Golden State a similarly protected pick from the Toronto Raptors for 2022. They also get some cash back because there's incentive for the Warriors to relieve cash from their books because of the luxury tax. So it ends up working out well for everyone involved. And the Hornets get some depth at point guard, which even though we mentioned earlier, the the point guard duties can certainly be carried out by Devontae Graham with Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward filling things out. It does relieve some of the pressure to not have to have one of those three on the floor at all times. 
Not that you'd really want that to happen, but it's nice to have options, and this deal creates some options for the Hornets. And you get a quality veteran guy like Brad Wanamaker. I mean, he's been a guy that's deserved this. He's really had the grind for his career, was undrafted coming out of the University of Pittsburgh. I watched him playing at Pitt while I was growing up and really enjoyed watching him play. He went over to Europe for several years, played in several different countries, and then the Celtics were able to bring him back at the ripe old age of 29 a couple of seasons ago and try him out, and he's been in the league ever since. And two years ago, he was a member of the Celtics. He played 71 games. He averaged a little bit over 19 minutes a game, so he was definitely getting some time off the bench. And he was playing with Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward as well. So now you take a look at his stats for this year, and they're not as impressive. He's averaging 16 minutes a game coming from Golden State. But keep in mind, he's also playing against one of the best point guards of all time, Stephen Curry. I mean, he's playing behind him. So you're going to see a drop in minutes, obviously. So he's not going to go out and drop 50 points or anything like that. He's not going to go have a Russell Westbrook triple-double, but he will provide some consistency off the bench for you. He'll hit his foul shots. He'll facilitate the ball. He won't turn the ball over. And I think that's all you can ask for from a guy that you basically got for free. And you mentioned some of his experience in Boston. He's got significant playoff experience. He had several games in the postseason last year in the bubble where he was playing 20-plus minutes a game. So uh, this is someone who can certainly contribute, give you a little bit of playmaking from the point guard position, certainly makes his free throws good defender. This is all around a plus here for the Hornets and will help them bridge the gap until LaMelo Ball could come back. We did hear some on that. Mitch Kupchak, general manager for the Hornets, and talking about the Brad Wanamaker move, talked about the timeline potentially here for the Hornets rookie point guard to possibly possibly return this season uh, at some point in time to get a, a more status and information on our um, mellow balls injury you know we we don't know if mellow's out for the season yet or not but having another experienced uh, guard you know available to our coach is something that we felt we needed to do I'm not sure where the assumption came from that LaMelo ball was absolutely done for the year I don't know if it had to do with the timing of the injury in relation to where we are in the calendar, but I've never heard the Hornets say this for sure means he's done for the season. I've never seen a press release, and I've never heard anyone in the building say that's what it meant. And, you know, he's a young guy. Young guys tend to feel faster from these sorts of things, and you trust the doctors to make the right decision. And we all know LaMelo's going to want to play. I'm sure that the doctors will be holding him back longer than he wants to regardless. But this never sounded like something that was clear-cut, done deal, he can't come back this season as if he tore an ACL. That's not what this injury is. So it's a gray area whether or not he'll be back. Love that the Hornets have kind of covered their bases here by bringing in a backup point guard and accounting for some of those minutes and not being totally dependent on Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier, and Gordon Hayward to always have to have one of them on the floor and always running those duties. This does provide some depth. I'm very encouraged by the clarity provided by Mitch Kupchak that there is a chance, depending on how long the Hornets play, that LaMelo Ball could be back on the floor again this season. And to quickly summarize what Mitch Kupchak said in his press conference was the timeline of the injury was LaMelo gets hurt in Los Angeles. He goes to the back and gets an x-ray done in the arena. The x-ray showed no break. So it makes sense. He got his wrist taped up. He went back onto the floor, played a couple minutes in the third quarter, didn't go very well, and then he sat the rest of the day. When they landed in San Antonio the following day, they were able to get more tests done because of the physicians in San Antonio. Those files were sent to the team doctors back in Charlotte. It revealed a break. 
They instantly referred him to the hand doctor that did the surgery in New York, who happened to also do the surgery on Cody Zeller's hand at the beginning of the season. So that's just kind of how the timeline has worked out. And you mentioned it a little bit as well about younger guys healing with a bone injury. And we'll see what happens in four weeks and see what the rehab looks like. But I'm not worried at all the way that the depth or the state of the point guard position is by any means for the Hornets. I mean, there's so many guys that are capable of handling the ball. We touched on it a couple of segments ago as well. So I'm not worried about anything at all. If LaMelo happens to come back sooner, that's great. Obviously, you would want him back in the lineup, but you don't want to sacrifice the short term for his long term health. No, not not at all. And I, there's no way the Hornets would allow that to happen. But if it's safe to bring him back and they can have the benefit of him playing in a stretch run and gain that experience, there's no reason not to. We shall see. It's definitely some encouraging news from the Hornets general manager, Mitch Kupchak, yesterday on that front. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Rob, thanks as always for uh, being a part of the show. Of course, you know where to find me. Chained to the desk where we leave you each and every time. (laughs) Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We invite you to join us again tomorrow. We will have the preview of the game against the Phoenix Suns. I know it's a matinee, so we will have a preview segment, but we'll also have some more general topics. And our guest for it, one of our favorites, Ashley Shamady of Fox Sports Southeast. You see her tremendous work on pregame and postgame coverage as well as working the sidelines. She does just a tremendous job with their outstanding crew. Look forward to talking to her about the return of fans to Spectrum Center and about this team that is now two games above 500 and all by its lonesome in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. For my producer, Rob Longo, and everyone here on the Hornets Hivecast, I'm Sam Farber saying thank you again for tuning in. It's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you tomorrow when we preview the Hornets game against the Suns. Till then, in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank you. Have a good day. Wear your mask. Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.